0: Mahmutovich and this is Love and His Discontents podcast. It is a great pleasure to welcome Philip Holm, who is an expert in Sufism. Uh, he has a master's degree in religious studies from Södertörn uh, College of Södertörn uh, in Stockholm, and uh, he has a wonderful uh, channel, a podcast called Let's Talk Religion. Uh, on youtube and it uh, i i could not uh, recommend it uh, more I and mean, it's just uh, uh, such a wonderful uh, podcast on um, on uh, um, yeah, all kinds of um, uh, religious uh, matters uh, lots of introductions into into different religions different um, what would you say different uh, uh, branches of the big religions for instance uh, but then uh, also some really uh, cool uh, kind of sometimes marginal stuff that is uh, really, really uh, popular, like uh, uh, the book of The Damned or the book uh, of, uh, what is it called, Philip? Uh, you had this uh, this show on uh, this uh, amazing uh, old book. Are oh, you talking
1: about the uh, Shams al-Ma'rif? Shams al-Ma'rif, yes. Yeah. yes. The most dangerous book in the world. The most
0: dangerous yep. book in the world, yes. I definitely recommend that one. Yeah. Uh, Such an interesting uh, way of uh, of approaching uh, these things.
1: So, Philip, welcome to Love and its Discontents. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's my pleasure to be here, and thank you so much for inviting me and for the uh, kind introduction.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, So we'll talk Sufism. So uh, specifically, obviously, uh, it is um, a particular. way of uh, understanding Islam as a religion, uh, and uh, y- this is really your expertise. So I think we'll just uh, start there. Uh, you know, what is uh, Sufism and what is the role of love in Sufism?
1: Right. Uh, it's, it's difficult to, to try to summarize Sufism, of course. Um, I think you, you said it pretty well. It's a certain way of understanding Islam. Uh, some It's often called Islamic mysticism, and there are certain problems with that uh, way of phrasing it, but I think that could be a good sort of starting point, at least to understand kind of what it is. Um, it's not a branch of Islam. Many people assume it's it's a branch like, like it's Sunni, Shia and, and Sufi. That's not the case. Rather it's a kind of, uh, I sometimes call it a tendency within Islam, or like you said, a certain way of understanding Islam. Um, Some people say it's the the spiritual aspect of Islam or a certain science of Islam. So just like you have fiqh or jurisprudence, Islamic law, how to understand, how to practice, how to live in society. You have uh, theology, kalam, intellectuals trying to understand God and and the Quran. You have Sufism or tasawwuf as it's called in Arabic, uh, which is basically, um, it revolves around trying to purify the soul in some way um, and to get closer to God and to experience God in this life. So rather than to, for instance, wait until judgment day, when the Quran says that believers will, will get to um, sort of witness God face to face, the Sufis sort of emphasize uh, experiencing God uh, and the divine right now, right, right in this in this life. And this often involves a certain level of asceticism, you could say, certain practices, uh, and it's it's in, in some ways also an initiatory kind of tradition to some degree, uh, because it involves a teacher-student relationship. So the uh, the relationship between uh, um, a sheikh or a murshid and a murid, a student, and the sheikh will guide. Uh, the the Sufi adept on the spiritual path to God, which involves many different stations and steps, until they reach what is often considered the sort of final steps of, of that path, which is uh, to be annihilated or extinguished in God, fana, as it's called, and then the actually last step is usually baqa, which is uh, subsisting in God, uh, sort of returning to the world but with a newfound understanding. So, in very broad strokes. Uh, that's the sort of general characteristics of sufism so it's a it's a i don't like to use the word spiritual but it's you know just to generalize it's kind of like a spiritual aspect of islam that involves a spiritual path to intimacy and experience of god and like you said um, love the concept of love is is one of the most central themes in in sufism Uh, sufi poetry is very popular around the world many people read Rumi for example and when you read when you read Rumi uh, one of the things you'll notice very quickly is this language of love which is everywhere and in different ways you talk about um, lover and beloved and, and love as a kind of uh, cosmic force um, many people even assume that you know because they've read certain translations of Rumi that often, Take away the the sort of Islamic content of his poetry, they assume that he's just a love poet. Because when you read those poems, if you don't have, if you don't know about the theology and and, and metaphysics and all that stuff that's that's built into that poetry, it can read just like any other love poem. So love is a very very central theme in Sufism, and and in, in also in different ways. So love. So first of all, love can be a certain form of worship uh, or a certain mode of worship. That, that worship of God is based on, on a deep sense of love, uh, and which we can find in the earliest examples of Sufism. Uh, it should be pointed out that, that you know, Sufism Sufism is an Islamic uh, tradition in its foundations at least, right? So Sufis will not have a different theology from other Muslims generally. They practice the five daily prayers, they they fast during Ramadan, all this. Uh, So they are Muslims, but Sufis, I often say, they tend to emphasize certain things more perhaps than the non-Sufi Muslims, so to say. And love is one of those things. Uh, One of the most famous early Sufis is Rabia al Adawiya or Rabia of, of Basra, a uh, female sufi who lived in the late 8th um, early 9th century and she is often seen as one of the earliest uh, people who who talks about this concept of love as as a central theme and in particular as a sort of uh, like i said a form of worship that it's not just that we are servants of god which we are also we are the the, uh, the uh, we are um, in arabic it's called abd so a servants of god uh, but we are also in a loving relationship with god we love god and love god loves us and so there is that relationship which is at the core of, of islamic worship uh, rabia for example i think that this is very well expressed in one of the most famous quotes by, by rabia which is where she, she says basically that uh, talking to god she says if i worship you out of uh, desire for paradise then lock the gates to paradise if i worship you for fear of hell then you know throw me in hell but if I worship you out of pure love for you alone then do not uh, deny me your everlasting beauty it's a really wonderful quote and it really encapsulates that idea that that love of God should be at the center of worship not fear of hell or wanting to go to paradise because ultimately those are egotistical selfish desires right
0: um so it's really and- about kind of achieving some kind of uh... Uh, unconditional love so that there is no so hell and heaven would be conditions in this case and this this kind of relationship the loving relationship is absolutely unconditional like nothing uh, stands in between us there there is no other incentive uh, except to serve through being a beloved Mm
1: -hmm. exactly and and, Mm -hmm. uh, especially as a kind of goal so the ultimate goal for the servant is to reach that state where there is no There's nothing between God and the servant. It's just a relationship of pure, unconditional love. Um, And the whole Sufi path uh, that we talked about uh, is often clothed in the language of love. So it is a, a loving journey. It starts from this position of being. Love sick, basically, mm. uh, of of longing for your beloved. You're being separated from your beloved and wanting to return to them, to unite with them again. Uh, Rumi, again, in his in the famous uh, um, the opening to the Masnavi, which is I forget the name, uh, the, the Song of the Reed. He talks about the the sound of of the ne flute as being a kind of cry of longing, uh, because it's been. Uh, separated from the reed bed as a kind of metaphor for the human longing for returning to God, for, for his beloved, whom he's, he's been separated from. Similarly, in Arabic Sufi poetry, uh, which we'll also look at later, uh, particularly, there's this theme called Nasib, which is where often the poet will find himself at the abandoned campsite of his his beloved and sort of, she has left and he's crying and longing to return to her. So Sufism is often, uh, or the Sufi path, Tasawwuf is is described as being based on that emotion as a starting point. And then the path is this path of returning, of returning to your beloved and uniting with them again. So the utmost, again, the, the, the at least somewhat, the... the uh, final stages of that path is to unite with god which has certain sometimes erotic and even sexual themes Mm. you know of uniting with with the beloved um but it's all metaphorical of course um i did a video about arabia and and some of that uh, love poetry and many people were upset the muslims would be upset and like what how could she say this this is heretical to talk about God as your husband and having Mm -hmm. sex with God. But of course, it's all metaphorical. It's Mm -hmm. just a way of expressing that kind of ineffable experience of of love and longing.
0: Um, And I wonder a couple of things. One is if you could say something more about this. Uh, As you said, uh, it is the Sufi path. It -hmm. is a journey. Uh, and it is uh, defined as a journey, not a state you achieved necessarily, but like a, it's a constant movement to, towards God. But it's based on, uh, uh, it's a desire for return, you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that implies a separation. Uh, right. So if you're returning, that means you were once with and then you were separated. And so so if you can say something more about this, like the separation and uh and the movement towards so the return. What, uh, what is the significance of that?
1: The, it has a certain kind of a Neoplatonic language of, of mm-hmm. going out and returning in a sense. Um, that's, that's We can easily get into very complicated metaphysics when we start <laughs> discussing that because um, at least according to certain Sufi metaphysics, such as Ibn Arabi, for example, um, there is ultimately no separation from God because mm-hmm. God is that there is, not in a pantheistic sense, but, mm. but God is in, e- in everything we see around us, in multiplicity and in, in the things that we see as being separated from God. That is also God in a sense. It's a reflection of God and a constantly changing reflection of God because God is infinite. The attributes of God, which are reflected, are, are infinite. And so there is an infinite amount of ways that God can manifest himself. And that becomes really interesting on that path. When you read someone like Ibn Arabi, there isn't, and this is interesting because we'll get into precisely this topic in the poem later. Um, when you even when you reach that state of annihilation of being so-called united with God, which is interpreted in many different ways, but even then, it's not like you arrive at some set point, mm-hmm. like a static point. It's it, it's a continuing um, experience of bewilderment even when you're, you're united with God your heart which is the place where where God is is experienced essentially is always fluctuating and always changing and so mm-hmm. in some sense it's an it's a never-ending journey because it's also once you unite with God then the journey is also within God and God is infinite so it's an infinite journey within the the, the essence and the, the attributes of God
0: um, I, th- I think it's, this is really amazing because uh, 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 when in a previous episode, when I spoke to Professor Peter Adamson uh, on uh, on uh, the Greek or, or, you know, the Pla- Plato and Aristotle and so on, and uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, Neoplatonism and all that, uh, we spoke about the desire for, uh, which is based on uh, the, this notion that th- Human beings lack something, uh, and mm-hmm. they they f- uh, need to fulfill that, and and they need to join with that missing part. And that love is defined as you know the, this kind of desire for that which is missing in us, uh, mm-hmm. or that which we are striving for. So it's a, it's that desire. And uh, in this discussion, um, uh, Peter said that okay, well, once. You, Let's say in the afterlife or in this life, as you, as you say, if you have this fanah, if you have this joining or unity, uh, it seems like, oh well, now you got it, now you no longer have desire. But the way you explain it is like it's a continuous path. It's not it's a relation to God. So it's it goes on indefinitely or, or yes. infinitely.
1: Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like I said, even you know, what you say, Fana, which is this idea of annihilation or being extinguished yes. in God. That's, even though that's considered like a high point of the spiritual path, the actual, there's a step after that, like I mentioned earlier, which is baqa, which is often yes. translated as subsisting in God. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, this, this experience of, of being nothing, of uniting with God is actually, to some degree, a temporary experience, because then you return mm-hmm. to multiplicity. And you continue experiencing this 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 uh, fluctuating manifestation of God,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but now you understand that it is God, you can see how it is God and in what way it is not God and so on um, but yeah so so definitely there's uh, there's a continuing uh, the journey continues, so to say. <laughs>
0: Indeed. I wonder if this is related to that saying. I think it's probably called uh, Hadith uh, Qudsi, that it's one of those strong, uh, really strong Hadith uh, where uh, God is supposed to have uh, uh, said uh, about uh, uh, his relationship to human beings that uh, it goes something like this in in English when I love him I am the hearing with which he hears the eyesight with which he sees the hand with which he holds and the foot with which he walks
1: yes uh, very, I think that's
0: probably connected yeah
1: a very common commonly used hadith in in, in Sufism in particular because it expresses exactly mm-hmm. that that idea and also that aspect of love because God says mm-hmm. you know um when he practices i don't remember the exact quote but it's when he practices supergatory prayers mm. i think he says when he loves me and anyway when i love him like you said i become so it's this relationship of love also mm. uh, baked into that hadith so it, it it really it has it all so to say
0: it, it, it really does it really kind of uh, it's almost like a, like a short poem in itself yeah uh, the, the way it describes uh, this uh, relationships is that that's why it's so very effective. Uh, mm. uh, and um, uh, the, the re- uh, there is a Quranic verse, where, uh, this is from um, uh, Surah 5 uh, and uh, Ayah 54, where it says, He loves them and they love him. Yeah. Uh, so, so that, that, that is uh, like the core, perhaps, of uh, that relationship. It's a loving relationship
1: yes the whole re all of reality in a certain sense is based on love so that's where we get to the sort of deepest meaning uh, of of love in, in sufism the sort of metaphysical meaning of love which is that god and we another hadith qudsi which is you know i was a god says in this hadith i was a hidden treasure and i love to be known so i created the world that i might be known and literally in the arabic it's it's a. Uh, I loved to be known. It's not just a nice English translation. It actually has the word. He literally says, I love to be known. And so the reason he creates the world is based on this movement of love. Uh, And that becomes manifested in the relationship between God and creation and and the creature, which is uh, uh, this relationship of mutual love. God loves us and we love God. And in that relationship, especially when the, the 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 servant has become completely annihilated, so to say, right? He loves God completely and unconditionally. That sort of perfects creation in a way. The, the, that mystic which reaches that highest station, he becomes the perfect man, according to a lot of Sufi metaphysics. Uh, in San al-Kamal, in Arabic, which becomes like the pole of reality. Um, and we find this in... Um, I think very beautifully expressed in in the poetry of uh, Faqir ad-Din Iraqi, as well as Ahmad Ghazali, where he talks about, or they talk about, three concepts, which is love as a sort of overarching concept, and then beloved and lover, and without getting too deeply into metaphysics, then, but but it's this Sufi path, of the, the the purpose of the human being is to love God and to to purify his heart so to clean the mirror of his heart so that the beloved can uh, reflect himself in his lover which is a mutual relationship because the god is both beloved and the lover because he loves creation but he's also being loved by creation or by the mystic and when the mystic has purified his heart completely the two can reflect each other perfectly and in that moment uh, they realized that this distinction between them never existed and everything that actually existed was love, uh, the overarching concept, which is conceived then as God's actual essence so God in, as he truly is God as the beloved, as, as God, as creator, that's God of course, but that's just God as he is in relationship to us. So it's us conceiving of God in a certain way. Uh, in order to, you know, for us to worship him and to get closer to him. But once you reach that highest state, then you realize that um, God was actually this other concept of love. It's, it's really, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, way of, of expressing it. In particular, Faqar iraqi that's one of my favorite works in all of Sufism. It's called The Lama'at, The Divine Flashes. There's a great translation by William Chiddick, I think. Uh, really, really incredible stuff.
0: Oh, that's uh, uh, that is uh, as you say. It's just uh, th- there is a certain kind of simplicity and complexity in it. Uh, it. It's it's both kind of simple to understand, but also very complex in in its depth. Uh, yeah. And uh, and what I what I particularly like here, uh, which is connected to the notion of movement, that it's always a movement. It's yeah. not a state. Uh, so the path, uh, the movement, uh, uh, as you say, it goes on indefinitely or, uh, or infinitely. Yes. Uh, that's, so the movement as something which seemed to me uh, one of the most uh, central uh, key terms in, in Islam, you know, the Tawheed, the movement, uh, moving, always moving towards God, moving, revolving around and
1: and, and so on. Yes. And, and you know, going out and returning also, and God creates yes. and everything returns to God. Yes. Um, Ibn Arabi talks about uh, the reality as being created continuously, always at every moment being created anew. And he uses langu- this language of, of breath, that God breathes the world into existence. And then it comes mm. back in, just like you breathe in and out. And this yes. happens continuously at every instant.
0: Mm. And it's so natural. It's, a, it's such a... a And uh, it's it's one of those things which you don't think about. You know, breathing—you just have to do it. And uh, it's—it's not like, oh, now I need to breathe. You know, sometimes you have those situations like I need to—you know—I have to remember to breathe. Uh, That means that you are not in the state of naturally being. Uh, Right. Something's wrong with you, obvious. Obviously, Um, you. uh, uh, What you said about uh, you know God and. um, and the creatures and uh, uh it's in a sense uh it's uh, like everything that exists is a lover of god right yeah uh, so so that is the, the condition of all all creatures all uh, all creation that it's a it's a lover of god yes. whether you know it actor. or
1: not yourself right you're a lover yeah. of god yeah yes <laughs> yeah definitely um Ibn Arabi, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, Ibn Arabi, okay. I, I, I prepared a quote here actually okay. from Ibn Arabi um, about precisely this because um, because everything is a lover of God and everything, at least according to Ibn Arabi, is a reflection of God. So whatever you love, whether you know you're loving God or not, you are actually loving God. Mm-hmm. And he has this quote from the Futuhat in which he says, uh, quote, none but God is loved in the existent things. It is He who is manifest within every beloved to the eye of every lover, and there is no existent thing that is not a lover. Just like you said, so the universe is all lover and beloved, and all of it goes back to Him. That is Mm -hmm. God. No one loves anyone but His own Creator, but He is veiled from Him by love of zainab, suad, hind, leila, this world, money, position, and everything loved in the world. Yes. So even if you are the greediest person and you love money you just love accumulating money yeah. um what you're actually desiring is god but mm-hmm. you've confused that love of god for mm-hmm. something worldly and that's why you suffer ultimately
0: mm. and is that what they call like this veiling that it's uh, it's basically it's not that you are separated but rather that something veils your real understanding or true understanding of this relationship
1: yes absolutely and the 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 veil itself is also god <laughs> god, <laughs> god veils himself with himself because mm-hmm. the veil is this world of multiplicity yeah. this this table and and money and and yeah. my wife and all, all these this all these are veils to god because um god is not god is one like god can't mm-hmm. be limited god can't be a limited thing god can't mm-hmm. be multiple things he is is a unfathomable mm-hmm essence of, of oneness or even beyond oneness but mm. um, at the same time all of all this multiplicity is a reflection of God it's mm. a reflection of God's attributes so the things that are availing us from God are also God mm.
0: um,
1: again Ibn Arabi he says in, in in a work called the Kitab al-Isra um, well actually he's being told by this uh, figure of the youth which is a strange figure he's, he tells Ibn Arabi that you are you are the cloud that's veiling your own sun, which is one of my favorite
0: quotes.: oh, that's, a, that's beautiful. <laughs> so stunning. And you can see why they turn to poetry because you know when you, once you start doing it uh, in terms of you know metaphysics or you know, philosophy, you, it can get so complicated and confusing. Uh, uh, and simple images. I think this is, in a sense, what what you said earlier. Like, don't, let's not go into metaphysics necessarily, yeah, because we have to. <laughs> we have to. But uh, but we, uh, if we go too deep into trying to be technical about it, you know, it's yeah. it's easy to get lost. Uh, uh in in all of that and especially metaphors here you mentioned uh, uh metaphors how they work uh it is saying something by means of that which is not uh, or by something else yeah. um, uh so so they they both create kind of a distance but also bring you closer a metaphor is like a movement like translation metaphor you uh, a yeah. movement from one place to another uh so simultaneously far and uh, and m- moving close, pointing in a point, certain direction. Pointing yeah. in a certain direction. Yes, to, uh, you, um,
1: I think very important yeah. also to point out is is this concept of love in Sufism as. Because all this is connected, right? Love as a form of worship, love as a metaphysical reality that's that's keeping the world together, love as a metaphor in in poetry—it's all connected. But also mm-hmm. another aspect of love uh, is love as true knowledge, in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. Because Sufism, or Tasawwuf, there there are of course philosophical. Tendencies within Sufism. Ibn Arabi is an, another example. There's you know, me- there's metaphysical speculation within Sufism, but in general, Sufis are not that interested in what we sometimes call rational knowledge, conceptual knowledge, or, or philosophy, right? Rather, the way that Sufis reach knowledge of God, according to themselves, is through this intuitive knowledge. Um, uh, Suhrawardy talks about conceptual knowledge, which is all the kind of knowledge that we can get from um, you know, learning things. Everything we learn in school is conceptual knowledge, but there is also intuitive knowledge, which is, um, you know, if someone I said in my video, if someone stabs you with a knife, uh, that's just you just know that that hurts. You don't have to to conceptualize why that hurts. You just know that that's true. Um, so the only way to experience God is through this. Intuitive knowledge, which is often known in Arabic as a which means tasting. It's a great word to use for it because you can describe the way chocolate tastes to someone for a week, but they can never truly know what it tastes like until they put it in their mouth and taste it. And that it's the same way with, with this knowledge of God, according to Sufis. And love, especially in poetry, love becomes a kind of metaphor for that kind of knowledge too, because love... If you've ever been in love, it's really difficult to to conceptualize what that feeling is like. It's a very strange thing. Um, And so love becomes a way for many poets to to talk about that kind of intuitive knowledge as love, both as the movement towards God, but that love, which is that movement, is also the knowledge. It is the knowledge of God that, that you can have. Um, which is, if you read poetry again, you can uh, often hear Sufis talk about wine and being intoxicated from wine. That wine is usually uh, um, a metaphor for lo- the intoxication of love, of this feeling of love that just completely um, sends you into madness from longing, just like Majnun meant, went mad for Layla. Uh, Ibn al farid has a famous poem called the Chameria, uh, the Wine Ode, which is just this sort of praising of wine and talking about how the intoxication of wine is is, uh, is the most wonderful thing. But it's all it all it, what it actually talks about is, of course, love of God and how that can intoxicate. And that intoxication um, is the state which Sufis sort of uh, aim towards. That's what they want to achieve because that's where where that knowledge can be found.
0: Why do you think they, uh, they wanted to use the metaphor of intoxication rather than ecstasy? Uh, of course, ecstasy is a kind of intoxication as well. But uh, but ecstasy, like uh, I mean, in 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 the Greek, like extas, like uh, like be you being outside yourself, beyond mm-hmm. yourself or beside yourself. Uh, in a sense, that's a madness. But you are not no longer yourself, but a kind of annihilate your own ego or your mm-hmm. selfhood in order. To, uh, and and it's, yes, intoxication does make you feel kind of out of control of yourself uh, right uh but just the kind of choice uh of intoxication over ecstasy is for me is is interesting
1: sure yeah uh, it's a good good point actually I haven't uh, considered the the sort of difference the different um uh, um connotations of using those two words I th- they are sometimes used interchangeably I would say in um, much of this literature uh, Sufis talk about wajd, wajd which is yeah. basically ecstasy, right? Yes. Interestingly, also sort of the root of that word is connected to wujud, which yes. means both to find and the means existence. Yes. And wajd is ecstasy is also okay. connected to sort of finding, hmm. perhaps finding uh, hmm. reality. And, and, you know, you can go on all day with with, with the, the grammatical aspects yes. of that. But, um yeah, that, that, that yeah that's an interesting point actually um, because intoxication
0: seems to me that intoxication has this like something enters you and makes you into something like, uh, yeah it, it implies that uh, you so, uh, something in a sense uh, whether you, you do it willingly or someone does it to you that uh, you are taken over by another substance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is a little bit like this madness as, you know, Majnun, the, the being possessed uh, mm-hmm. in, yeah. in a way
1: by love, by love. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and it can lead to the sort of that intoxication can lead to, to Fana. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite poem uh, poets, uh, mm-hmm. he says, um, he has a poem. Hold on one second. I got it. I have it here somewhere. Yes. Uh, in Arabic, he says, mm-hmm. wa minni aqbal Which is, I drink from the goblets and from myself, I come closer to myself. In myself, it is myself I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a perfect example of that um, theme of, of wine intoxication as sort of leading to that So here he's talking from the position of having been annihilated. So he has collapsed the the difference between himself and his beloved. So from this intoxication, he comes closer to himself and he's, you know, he realizes that what I loved was actually myself all along.
0: Uh, And, Um one thing which you mentioned is, uh, especially earlier when you talked about uh, Rabia. I didn't know you got these uh, these comments. I usually don't read uh, the comments uh, uh, but I I understand, you know, especially from um from a certain kind of uh, mundane kind of point of view where you are uh, into religion, uh so this distinction between religion and faith, uh uh, religion as like everyday practice of faith uh, uh and um so deen and and, and iman uh, yeah. in islam the distinction between deen uh, as religion and uh, iman as believing or, or faith uh is is really important uh so uh, uh i wonder um like what Maybe you could say something about that. You know, how did Sufis use those two uh, or that distinction or those two terms? Uh, Mm -hmm. Are they more um, uh, like Iman or uh, what about Deen or how do they, uh, is it a balanced thing or?
1: That's a very good question. Um, So usually... At least as far as I understand it, deen, which is often translated as religion, refers more so to sort of the common practices of religion. There's a famous hadith where Muhammad meets uh, the angel Gabriel and he asks, or is it the angel that asks, what is Islam? Uh, Which in this case could be, I guess, uh, equivalent to deen.
0: Uh,
1: And then he asks, uh, what is Ehsan. Ehsan is also an important word in the Sufism, which which is sort of seeing God everywhere. But anyway, um, and Iman is more so the sort of inner uh, faith, is usually translated as faith. Sufis have always very much emphasized that there can be no um, Sufism, there can be no inner purification or any of this that we have talked about without also the outer practices of the religion of following the Sharia, the Islamic law. Of course there have there are exceptions to this, especially today there are more universalist Sufi groups and so on um, but in general uh, that is one of the things that are emphasized the most uh, when you read Sufi writings also is that you know they emphasize that we are muslims we we have to in order for us to make any progress on the spiritual path, we have to follow Islamic law we have to pray five times a day we have to uh, you know, fast and give to charity we have to maybe dress modestly, all these things that are are aspects of Islamic law. Um, Sometimes a metaphor is used um, of someone going out in a boat into the ocean and looking for a pearl at the bottom of the ocean. Um, The boat represents the sharia, so the, the practices of religion, which you have to... Sort of be based in, or for even to, to 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 survive and get out onto the to the ocean, the oars which you use to 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 move uh, represents the tariqah, which is a word usually meaning like the Sufi path, the Sufi or it literally means path, um, and then you dive into the ocean, um, and so then there are two concepts, one called uh, Marifa which means knowledge, and another called haqiqah. And they sometimes differ here, but one of them, usually marifa means your sort of knowledge of where to find this pearl. Maybe today we could use, like marifa could be like goggles you can use, you can see underwater. Um, And then haqiqah, which is truth, um, like ultimate truth, God and all this. That's the pearl that you find. So you need all these aspects. You need the sharia, you need the the tariqah. The Sufi path—you need uh, Marifa knowledge, gnostic knowledge—sometimes translated—in order to, to 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 find the truth. So all those are are uh, key to to this whole process.
0: And I suppose that's something that people tend to forget, especially when uh, Sufi poetry became popularized and translated, and uh, we know of the kind of. Uh, the removal of uh, islam from some of it uh, especially these kinds of things that they are, they are complete in that because i suppose for them to introduce anything additional without or kind of disregarding from that which they believe is the command of God would be to disregard from the lover. Yeah. <laughs> to, to really say, okay, well, you don't. I know a better way to worship you than you told me.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's yes. a very good point.
0: Yes, something, something like that. What What is, uh, I've heard this phrase, the Sharia of love. Uh,
1: hmm. Have you heard that before, the Sharia of love? I'm not sure, actually. Maybe not. Yeah.
0: In what what circumstance? I I read it in in uh, in a piece by William Chittick, and uh-huh. um, uh, he um, uh, he he mentioned it, you know, the Sharia of love. So I, I was kind of curious if you knew more about uh, about this uh, the phrase or if it's used,
1: if it's uh, there in uh, Arabic and what it could mean. It's not a it's not a common phrase, as far as yeah. I know. I don't think I I know enough about it to speak confidently mm-hmm. about it, but I'm sure. I mean, William Chidik knows what he's talking about. So. Oh, yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Or maybe it's his way to describe something. I, I haven't explored this phrase. So, yeah, I've uh, definitely heard
1: words like uh, madhabi um, ishq in, in um, well, I guess it's it's yeah. Arabic words, but it's a Persian phrase, madhabi uh, ishq, which means the, the school of love. Uh, the school of love. Ah, yeah, which okay. usually refers hmm. to... Even though all of Sufism has love as an important concept, some Sufis and schools of Sufism have emphasized love even more. Poets like Rumi and Rabia yes. and Ahmad Vaziri and sometimes yes. Ibn Arabi, and mm-hmm. so sometimes they are grouped together as as this school of love, the oh, I, see. I see.
0: It's just uh, so interesting that all of these words that he, uh, these, these phrases that we have been using in our modern context, they can uh, seen. A bit kind of cheesy or new ageist and so on, <laughs> right? Uh, and when you truly understand them, you know that uh, that they are really amazing. But mm. uh, you know, at the surface, they could be a little bit like this: uh, school of love, uh, religion of love, you know, things like that. Sounds a you little know? corny, yeah. Sounds a little but... corny, yeah. So there is it's really, yeah.
1: But but as like you said, as soon as you actually start studying it and going into what what this actually means on a deeper mm. level, it's it's really it's not corny at all, actually, at yeah. least according, you know, in my opinion. Oh,
0: definitely not. It's just, it's totally the opposite uh, yeah. of it. But I suppose it has to do with the, uh, this fact that, uh, especially in English, uh, that we have one word, love, yeah. which can mean so many things, you know, loving God and loving your spouse and uh, loving coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> and you know, there's no distinction. Distinction. And uh, 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 so, it, it it it's almost like you know, the word love itself has become so commodified, uh-huh. uh, and it's uh, it's pretty much sold. You know, uh, you love your Nike shoes, and there's love in in in, a, in an ad for uh, for for your Nike shoes, uh, yeah. which really
1: uh, takes so much from it right i know yeah uh, it's such a profound concept yeah. and, f- and experience like uh, experiencing yes. a true love for yes. for a for a spouse or for for your i don't have children but i assume that's yeah. an incredibly strong experience um yeah. so it's sad to see it being commodified in that way i mean valentine's day is coming up in a few it, days here Indeed, <laughs> indeed <laughs> <laughs> which i mean Love it I mean, I don't I don't mind people sending yeah. each other nice letters, but it's the whole commercialized aspect of it yeah. kind of takes a takes away a bit of the- it it, it, sure, it sure
0: does uh and as you say i mean uh right now we are kind of experiencing this huge loss uh, of life in turkey uh we, when we are doing yeah. this interview there there has been an earthquake so much life is lost but then you see this kind of love in so many of those images when they save people when they save these babies after four or five days and uh uh you know, and taking care of them. So, so that, there's such depth and great uh, greatness of kind of love in uh, in these moments. They are worth so uh, so much. So, uh, um, and when we talk about love, as uh, you know, other uh, different words that they use, like the, the way, for instance, the Greeks, the Greeks would have different words. Uh, are there different words in um, Arabic and uh, among the Sufis in Islam, like? To, to distinguish different types of love perhaps of different relationships
1: absolutely yeah. Mm. Uh, the most common word for love or, or sort of general perhaps concept or, or word is uh, hob which you know it's it's love in the most general sense that can mean you can use it in a variety of ways um, there is also mahabba which comes from the same root but it's more um uh, it's an, sort of it has, it has more movement in it sort of active it means sometimes like loving kindness perhaps loving your neighbor and loving you know giving to to the poor that kind of love um, then there is a word which is very popular in Sufism which is Ishq uh, comes from Arabic uh, root Ashaka and that usually means something like passionate love that's the kind of love that Majnun felt for Layla right it's it's I I could be wrong but I've I think the root originally means something like to clinging, to cling to something. It comes from like uh, the the vines on a tree that that cling to to the to the um uh, well to, to the tree. Um, and so it usually connotates um, this incredibly strong, passionate, sometimes even erotic love, which as we said is is very important in Sufism. Madhabi Ishq, for example, the school of love uses that. Um so so sometimes they say there's 50 words for love in Arabic. I don't know all of them. but <laughs> All of them. Are you sure? Why don't you know all of them? <laughs> sorry. I
0: expected both I from you, Philip.
1: <laughs> there's a great movie by uh, Nasir Khamir, a Tunisian, I think, uh, okay. film, filmmaker uh, called The Ring of the Dove. It's named after a work by Ibn Hazm. But it, the, the whole premise is that the, the, the main character is trying to find all the 50 words for love. Oh,
0: it's a wow. beautiful movie. Oh, that's that's. I have to I have to find that. Uh, how about the word uh, rahma, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, in um, in of course the Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim and the God's name Ar-Rahmi, uh, uh Rahman, mm-hmm. and uh, which uh, from what I know is connected to this um, this kind of love that uh, a mother has for uh, for her child, yeah. rahma being um, you know the womb. Yeah, it's connected uh, Rah- to the womb. Yes. So, uh, I mean, how is that? Um, is that used uh, much
1: in Sufism uh, at all, uh, or how? It is. Yeah. Mm. Uh, in Ibn Arabi, I know Ibn Arabi best, and I and I, I've 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 noticed that a lot in his works. Um, Rahma is the sort of it gets confusing because he he uses many different terms to refer to the same thing so he uses mm-hmm. rahma basically as a, a synonym for love sometimes mm-hmm. uh, the the main aspect of creation so the, so he talks about creation as the nafas rahman right? mm-hmm. the 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 breath of the all merciful mm-hmm. which has this word Rahmah. so creation is based primarily so the, the God has all these attributes, infinite attributes, all these names, 99 names in the Quran. And Ar-Rahman is one of them. And to a certain extent, Ibn Arabi would say that uh, the attribute of mercy is the attribute of God that is primarily responsible for creation. Mm. Um, and and that has a bunch of connotations, you know, that everything that is created is essentially good. Mm. Um because it's created from love and and again, going back to that metaphysical principle that everything is created based on this principle of love and everything is made of love in a certain sense that also sounds a little corny. When,
0: <laughs> when, when we say it, yes, but, but it's not, it's just this, uh, I, I think I've heard that um, it's probably hadith uh, where uh, it is said that uh, uh, that God gave, uh, 100th part of his Rahmah or his mercy or his love to the mothers. So just kind of oh, comparing wow. to like how much love oh, in, in his relationship to uh, the creation, uh, is so if a mother would, uh, yeah, you know, die for her, uh, for her child or uh, go to extreme lengths to, uh, uh, to protect it for instance or to care for it and so on so so god is like you know 100 at least 100 times great uh greater than that or more has more rahmat than that
1: that's incredible
0: yeah uh, so yeah. i i always think about that because um it's just uh you know sometimes uh as a parent or <laughs> you know just a, a human being and in your relationships with others you know when, you, yeah. uh, when you're when you thinking about these things and uh, a lot of times that is you know toned down uh, but this is like one of the greatest
1: qualities you can have uh, Yeah. Uh, again i'm not a parent uh, yet you know god but, willing but god willing um, some <laughs> I've had a similar I mean it's not the same but I I've worked as a teacher previously and I've talked about this a lot in my videos pre- mm-hmm. I, you know, pe- people are sick of me talking about my teacher job <laughs> but it was so profound for me because it really was this feeling of complete unconditional love for yeah. for the for the kids so they were like 11 12 like yeah. just this this well rahma, i guess like this feeling of of caring and just yeah. I, I would do anything for those kids and that yes. I, that was an overwhelming i didn't know i could feel that way it was an overwhelming right. feeling at the time and that was really profound almost like an awakening to me like yeah. oh i can like this is i can feel this way like if, i love my wife obviously to yes. death but it's a different kind of love it is yeah um so because of that experience the whole concept of love has taken on a a much sort of uh, yeah it's it's a very significant part of my life at this point because i've also had i've gotten to experience a very profound sense of love in precisely that kind of way that we're talking about that kind Mm. of rahma that caring uh, love almost like a mother again i don't want to like claim that I have felt the same love that a mother feels for her child, because I obviously haven't, but I, maybe like a tiny bit of that. And yeah, that, that least, just that was incredible. Absolutely. So it's
0: at least the same kind of, uh, yeah. of love and relationship. And I could not agree more with uh, this. Uh, I mean, I've been teaching for 15 years and uh, it's not even like getting to know students and learning to love them. Like from yeah. day one, that is the feeling I have like this care and uh and uh, responsibility and mm-hmm. uh, thinking it's uh, so that's where i think this authority comes from really is it's not the, the authority. You, you are aware of your situation anything else is a betrayal i would say yeah uh definitely, then, uh, definitely. so uh, um uh, uh, to to say something about this uh, a part where you uh, spoke about rabia and uh and uh, sexual love uh, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, that expressing a, a relationship to God in sexual terms or erotic mm-hmm. terms or the eros. Uh, of course, we know that the Greeks would definitely separate uh, philia friendship, love from eros, from, uh, from uh, you know, uh, and, and so on. And I think we would too. Uh, but, this reminded me of the story of joseph mm-hmm. uh so uh for me it's really interesting and, and i wonder what you think uh because you said that uh, when uh, even if it's money something as crude something as uh, uh you know dirty in a sense mm-hmm. uh uh, you, there is a sense that if you love it, you still somehow desire, desire God uh, or th- that, that that is what you're um, aiming at. That's your path. Th- that's where you are kind of your being pushes you. Uh, so we know from the story of Joseph that he is uh, uh, supposed to be extremely attractive. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a scene where uh His, uh, in a sense, adoptive mother or the the wife of his master wants to sleep with him, which he refuses. And then uh, a famous scene from the Quran is where she calls in these women from the town who have been gossiping about her. Uh, And they see Joseph uh, and uh, they are all holding knives and they cut themselves. Uh, and they, uh, at the mere sight of him, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and they say, oh, well, this is not a human being, this is an angel, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, so, for me, this is so interesting because at the same time, so you wonder how beautiful is he? I mean, right. I mean, I mean in terms of male beauty, I was like, how beautiful can he be? You know? so, yeah. uh, or is it uh, that because he is uh he is the chosen one because he's chosen loved by god that it is that which attracts them right and in a sense they they uh, react sexually they they have a sexual attraction so so it's like this extreme attraction towards god that is in a sense manifest uh, somehow through through joseph uh, uh that uh there is that sexual aspect to it that it can be described in sexual terms. It it doesn't mean, uh, you know, in in crude words, like in in any crude way that's about, you know, uh, uh, sex, but the sexual attraction itself uh, is just a manifestation, just as intoxication we talked about earlier. Uh, So you would say, okay, well, that's haram or something like that. Uh, But in this situation this reaction basically just shows this extreme uh, kind of movement or attraction to uh, uh, to
1: that which you desire. Yeah. Right, because he has been chosen by God, he sort yeah. of reflects beauty yeah. in a stronger way perhaps, uh, which mm-hmm. can explain that uh, maybe unreasonably strong <laughs> reaction. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> The Sufis definitely there is a erotic and sexual aspect, metaphorically, of course. Um, in in some of the poetry, they tend to be careful with expressing that too, um, too, too uh, forthrightly or too too obviously. Um, it's it's this idea of union. Uh, if we talk about like actual sexual uh, metaphor, but again, th- there is often talk. They they speak about a beautiful woman perhaps, and they describe her, her, her beautiful features as, as again, like a, a metaphor for, or for or as a reflection of, of God's beauty, because God is beauty itself. God is the beautiful and any beauty in the world reflects God. And there is a practice in Sufism that has been, it's one of the more, um, crit- criticized by some, uh, which is this practice of gazing upon beautiful faces. Uh, in which Sufis would sometimes sit in the marketplace and they would look at beautiful, usually beautiful boys, young boys, as a sort of way, and there is a sexual aspect to that, you know, a sexual attraction. It can also be a woman, but usually women would be at least somewhat covered up to a larger degree. Um, And, but that can be a sort of spiritual practice because you see in the beauty of that face or that person, um it's a reflection of the beauty of god so you need to have the right uh, perspective on it of course so you don't get caught up in just this person is beautiful um but again that's that, that's one of those you know practices that have been criticized by many other muslims maybe for 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 obvious reasons because it has these sexual connotations but um and and yeah it returns that that even in in ibn Arabi, in the fusus al-hakam in the end in the last chapter under the, the, the wisdom of Muhammad, he says, and this sounds, even with all this metaphysics in mind, it sounds pretty radical. He says that the, the I don't remember the exact quote, but he essentially says that the best way to experience God or the purest way to experience God is through a woman, is through even yeah. like a, a sexual act with a woman to a certain degree um, because it somehow reflects Many things, and everything in creation is, is based on this relationship between, uh, you know, feminine and, and masculine coming together to create something new. And so it's almost, it reminds us of, of like some aspects of Shaivism, like tantric Shaivism, where, where the sexual act is, becomes a sort of reflection and metaphor of, 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 of a higher reality and of a sort of union between, uh, even a union between the, the mystic and God through that sexual act but um again I, I don't wanna misrepresent it but that be it's it's a it's a difficult topic but
0: <laughs> it definitely is that you can see how it is how easy it is to kind of slide you know uh yeah. between something deep and being a perv <laughs> yeah uh, <exactly>. right yes <laughs> uh, so it's a fine line uh, b- between these two. i think i've read somewhere uh that uh, uh, making love uh, is an act of uh, ibada as well. So I, I don't take my word for it. I, mean, I think I've read it somewhere. Uh, like making love to your, to your wife, someone you love, that it's a form of ibada, Yeah, very possible. Worship, yeah.
1: Because uh, even though Sufism includes a certain amount of, of asceticism, mm-hmm. it's rarely celibate. Like there's yeah. an emphasis on you know having a family. And, and so mm-hmm. the sexual, you know, sex itself is never seen as dirty in the same way that it is in Christianity, for example. Mm-hmm. And so so someone like Ibn Arabi can take that and and turn it into something spiritually uplifting, at least in a symbolic and sort of in terms mm-hmm. of the imagery and, and the, mm-hmm. the language of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's kind of uh, also uh, obvious, especially if we talk, for instance, about ecstasy, because the ecstasy in a sexual act is mm-hmm. that feeling of being you or being outside yourself or uh, losing yourself in uh, in the act so that, that yeah. uh, uh, it has the same quality maybe of the feeling or, or it is an experience in a sense that uh, matches in, uh, to, to some
1: degree what you want to accomplish yeah and it's the culmination in a certain mm. way at least from a traditional perspective it's mm. it's this having longed after your your, your beloved mm. and then you know on the on, on the wedding night for example that union is yes you no know, yes. the, the sexual act can be very ecstatic and so it, it's it, yes. it, it reflects that sort of path towards god in different ways uh that union on the wedding night is mm. um a similarly ecstatic experience as being united with God at the end of of the spiritual path.
0: Yes, and you you probably know this much better. Who was it that said that uh, could or describe God as a shy bride? You know, the lifting of the veil of the bride. And uh, uh, was it
1: uh, was it Rabiya? No, who, no, that I've wasn't seen that a... in in many different poems. I don't know if if I, I can if answer. It's a, it's a recurring a theme. Yeah, yeah, yes. It, it, it's one of those tropes which I, uh, probably permeates. Uh, Definitely, the veiled bride. Again, that thing of um, of being veiled and the veil yes. is, is God Himself, and yes. um, lifting the veil and being completely enraptured by yeah. by the beauty. Yeah.
0: You just love the physicality of it. It's as, as you said in the beginning. Uh, it is a spiritual path, but there is this. You never abandon that kind of physical rootedness in the world. It's not like. Overcoming your body uh, necessarily no. It's like you are the, in the world practicing, and, and that's that's why they would uh, not be ascetics in this way, you know, uh, mm. uh, and uh, avoid sex or you know things like things like that. Mm. Uh, can I ask you something about uh, this uh, the relationship of the Sufis to uh, the Prophet Muhammad? Uh, uh, I mean, there are. Um, Obviously, there are um, um, uh, there is an ayah in uh, in the Quran uh, where uh, uh, it says, uh, and, and I found it here. It says, uh, uh, "If you love God, follow me. God will love you and forgive your sins, and God is forgiving and merciful." So here we have hope and uh, rahma, and uh, that's that's from the Quran. Uh, And then there is this famous hadith uh, also, which I uh, found, which uh, goes something like this. Uh, None of you have faith until I am more beloved uh, to him than his children, his father and all of the people. Hmm. Uh, So so I wonder uh, if uh, Sufism addresses this uh, love for the prophet as... You know the mercy of God as as uh, Habibullah, uh, you know the the, belo- the ultimate beloved of uh, yeah. of God, the uh, the one who is chosen uh, um, uh, to be. You know, he's called literally the lover uh, of uh, of God. You know? yeah. uh, so if, uh, if there is something in Sufism
1: about this and how they relate to it and how how they think about it, the Prophet Muhammad is is central in Sufism, because, you know, again, following the Sunnah of the Prophet as the perfect example is, is a key feature of, of the Sharia. But, but the Prophet also, in certain Sufi metaphysics in particular, becomes a central, almost like, again, I don't want to misrepresent anything, but it's almost like a, cons- a cosmic principle in a certain way. Uh, they talk about Muhammad, again, as, as you said, Habibullah, the, the beloved of God, um, he is um, the ultimate expression of the insan al kamil, the perfect man, who reflects the 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 what's what's referred to as the Haqiqa muhammadiya, the Muhammadan reality, which is kind of logos principle upon which God creates the world, and the historical figure of Muhammad is the sort of perfect manifestation of that, uh, and so. Muhammad is, uh, is one of the most recurring themes also in Sufi poetry. Um, I just, I've been reading a lot by, uh, a Sufi, uh, another female Sufi poet called uh, Aisha Al-Bauniya who lived in the 16th century. And she has a long, uh, collection of poetry. I can't remember what it's called, but the majority almost of those poems are dedicated to the prophet Muhammad, um. So, and and it, you know, but that can also differ um, in some areas and regions and places. He that he's not as emphasized, whereas in others he is. There is, in particularly in North African, Western North African, Morocco and so on. There is talk about the tariqa Muhammadia, uh, and there it is very much emphasized. Muhammad as a kind of, not just as a. As a a person to emulate, but also as this perfect reflection of 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 everything that you aspire to to be, and a and a reflection of this higher reality of the Muhammadan reality, and so on, the logos principle. Uh, yeah, Muhammad. Uh, enough can't be said about how important a role he plays in Sufis.
0: Mm. But it's really so they they really they don't mix it up. Uh, they don't go like to some kind of worship of Muhammad or something like that, you know, they, there is, they really know uh, the distinction between what it means to love God and be the beloved of God uh, and looking at Muhammad as um, perhaps a template uh, or.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's uh, never worshiped, right? That's no, very important. No. Uh, yes. and they, they, That's something that yeah. they will also very much emphasize because yeah. Islam yeah. is very clear about <laughs> not worshipping anything other than God himself Um, and so there there can be intermediaries according to most Sufis at least you can have an intermediary between yourself and God such as the prophets or sometimes the saints but they are very uh, careful to not sort of fall into actual worship of a Mm -hmm. human being including the prophet even though he represents this higher metaphysical principle Mm -hmm. um, it's not the same as uh, Jesus being the word of God in, in, yeah. in Christianity, even though it sounds similar when you say it, yes. it's actually quite different in many ways.
0: Yes, that, For me, that is uh, that is so stunning, the way they, they kind of keep these things separate, that they are not mixing them up because they are so careful, and that in itself is this following of uh, the basic principles of uh, faith or, or religion. Yeah. Uh, they are uh, uh, kind of... Uh, sometimes close to certain lines, but then you, you will see, no, they never really step no. across that line or other so. um, I wonder if we uh, should perhaps uh, look at um, uh, this poem by Ibn Arabi that uh, uh, we talked about,
1: that we wanted yes. to... Uh,
0: that, do, do you want to read it Perhaps in Arabic and in English? or?
1: Uh, yeah, I was thinking it'd be really good. I think it'd be good to to read it in Arabic first, actually, to, for yes. people to hear the, the rhyming and, and the, just how it sounds in the original. It's a very beautiful poem. Um, it's one of the most famous poems from the Sufi tradition. I would say it's, it's one of the most, at least the last section of the poem is one of the most quoted things mm. you'll see, at least in English writings about Sufism. It's often also somewhat misunderstood, so we can probably get into mm. some of that. Um, just to introduce uh, this poem, it's written by uh, Mohidin ibn Arabi, who is one of the most famous Sufi f- figures in history. He was a poet, but he was also perhaps most famous as a kind of He's not a philosopher, but he's a, he's a Sufi thinker uh, uh, whose metaphysics is often referred to as the wahdat al-wujud, mm-hmm. the unity of being, uh, which we don't have time to get into. But it's essentially uh, you know, this idea that God is all there is and God is being and, and everything is a reflection of God's being. There is nothing... You have other... a great video about this uh, yes. on your channel, so <laughs> everyone should go and see it. It's a great video on it. Yeah. But he aside from being... As a Sufi Sheikh, a master uh, and, and a metaphysician. He was also a great poet in the Arabic language and he wrote a collection of poetry called the Tarjuman al Ashwaq, which means something like the interpreter of desires or the translator of desires. Ashwaq again, is also connected to that word ishq, meaning love, mm-hmm. passionate love. Um, and this collection uh, was written uh, after a visit he did to mecca and in particular after meeting a young woman there as as he was uh, circling the kaaba he met a woman called nizam who he tells us that he fell just completely in love with and he was totally enamored by this woman and so she inspired this whole um, collection of poetry it's i think 64 poems in total uh, and it's all love poetry, so it's perfect for our discussion today, right? It's all love poetry. And it's you can't really find, in terms of the, the doctrine of Wahdat al-Wujud, you can't really find much of that in these poems. And anyone reading, the, if you didn't know that Ibn Arabi wrote this, it could be just any love poem. Uh, luckily, or well, to some degree luckily, he was very much criticized by some for this collection when it came out because they were like, what are you doing? This is just a collection of erotic poems. Like, well, um, and then, so he wrote a commentary uh, in which he explained that, no, this, it's, it's all about God. Of course, Nizam was the sort of muse, you could say, arguably, but it's all related to Sufism and Islam and, 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 and spirituality in different ways. And so this poem is is poem 11 in this collection, the most famous and maybe central poem, Um It's in a meter, a a, a poetic meter called uh, tawil, which means long. And I'll try to read it in a certain way that you'll hear the the rhythm. Uh, And it's it's a qasida, which is a monorhyme So it rhymes on the same letter. In this case, uh, is it? It's it's a ni, so it's kasra. It's a noon with a kasra. That's the that's the rhyme in in each each line. And so. I'll try to read it in Arabic first. Excuse my pronunciation. I'll I'll do my best, uh, and then I'll translate. So I'm using the uh, this excellent work by Michael Sells. It's a pretty recent translation. came out just two years ago. <clears throat> so this is the the poem in Arabic. alla <speaking in Arabic> la <تصفيق> ترفقنا لا تظهرنا بالنوح والبكاء خفير الصبابات ومقنون أحزاني أطاره عند لسلي وبدحى بحنتي مشتاق وأنتي حماني، تناوحت إلى في غيظة الغدى فمالت بأفنان اللي فأفناني وجاءت من الشوق المبره والجوء وَمِنْ تُرَّ فِي الْبَلْوَى إِلَّيَّ بِأَفْنَانِي فَمَنْ لِي بِجَمَّعٍ وَمُحَسَّبٍ مِنْ مِنًا وَمِنْ لِي بِذَاتِ الأثلي مَنْ لِي بِنَعْمَانِي تَطُوفُ بِقَلْبِي سَاعَةً بعد سَاعَةٍ لِوَجْدٍ وَتَبْرِيحٍ تُلثِمُ أَرْكَانِي وَكَمْ آهِدَتْ أَنْ لَا تَحْهُولَ وأقسمت وَلَيْسَ لِمَخْضُوبٍ وَفَاءٌ إيماني وَمِنْ أَجَبِ الْأَشْجَاءِ طُبَّءٌ مُبَرْقَءٌ يُشِيرُ بِأَنَابٍ ويومي بِأَجْفَانِ وَمَرَعُهُ مَا بَيْنَ الْتَرَائِبِ وَالْحَشَى وَيَا Ajaban مِنْ رُودَةٍ وَسَتَّى nirani. And here comes this most famous part of the poem in which he changes the, the meter and the rhythm of it. لقد صار قلبي قابلاً كل سورة، فمر لِغِزْلَانٍ غزلان ودير لروحاني، وبيت لأوثان وكعبة طائف، وَالْوَاهُ طورات ومسحف قراني. الدين بالدين الحب أنا تواجهت ركائبه فالدين ديني وإيماني. لنا Hindin في بشري هند وأختها وقيس Leila so that's the poem in Arabic. Oh, that was beautiful! I have to say. Thank you. That was amazing. Well, Thank you. It's 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 all in Arabi. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a very beautiful sounding poem. Yeah, I mean, your reading was it was really really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to read this. I'm going to base my translation on this uh, one by Michael Sells. Um, which is a more, it's not, a, it's not as literal as a translation compared to someone like uh, Nicholson. Uh, but I'm going to sort of clarify sometimes if I feel like we need to do that. So he says, gentle now, doves of the springberry and moringa, don't add your sighs to my heartache. Gentle now, lest your sad cooing show the love I hide, the sorrow I seal." In the evening, I echo back. In the morning, echo the longing of the lovesick and lost. Spirits moan in the rada trees, bending branches over me as I pass away, bringing yearning, heartbreak, and ever-new twists of pain to try me. Who is here for me in Jem and Muhassab, in Tamarisk and Camp Naaman? Hour by hour, they circle my heart in rapture and graze, each corner with and graze each corner with a kiss. They swore they'd never change and vowed who dies. Her- they swore they never change and vowed who dies herself with hennas unfaithful. A veiled gazelle's an amazing sight, her hennas hinting, eyelids singla- sig- signaling. And here's my favorite part of the poem. He says, A pasture between breastbone and spine, marvel, a garden among the flames. Uh, And then here is this very famous section. It says, My heart can take on any form. It's a meadow for gazelles and a cloister for monks, a temple for idols and the Kaaba for, for, for the pilgrims. It's the tablets of the Torah and the scrolls of the Quran. I profess the religion of love wherever its camels turn. That is my faith and my religion. Like Bishr and Hind, Love Mad Qais and his lost Layla, Meia and stricken Railan. Um, it's, in, it's incredible it's an incredible poem um, and there's a lot going on here if you if you sort of know your Sufism um, do you, you want to just get into so it it's it's it has a f- few sort of movements you could say uh, the first is this very like we said this central Theme, this thing called nasib, right? It's, it's the, it begins with the lovesick uh, poet longing for his beloved. So he says, oh doves of the uh, ban and araq trees. And the, the, the dove in a lot of, of this poetry, the dove and the singing of the dove represents the, the this, this the sadness, right? Of, of, of longing for one's beloved. And he continues, don't add, uh, you know, don't add your size to my heartache, uh, be gentle, sort of be gentle with me. Don't, don't make things worse. Essentially. Um, gentle now, your sad cooing show the love. I hide the sorrow. I see you in the evening. I echo back in the morning, echo, the longing of the love, sick and lost. So this whole movement is essentially just introducing that theme of the poet longing for the, the beloved that has, that has gone away. Um, and then things take a pretty dramatic turn. Um, as he says, um, uh, The spirits, arwah, which is a complicated uh, concept in Ibn Arabis, but it's, it's this um, spirits that sort of circle the throne of God. Um, the spirits moan or they face each other in the rada trees and the rada tree here and also elsewhere often represents the fires of love um, and fire is another one of those common metaphors for love being consumed by the fires of love and being extinguished in that love and this is exactly what's happening here the the tree the rada trees bend over him so that branches uh, of the rada tree are like like the the flames of love that consume him and he passes away and there's a pun in here bending over and passing away um mm-hmm. so he passes away and here he is experiencing this uh, this this um uh, well this annihilation right that that is so common in Sufism, so he has been annihilated in god uh, he no longer exists as an individual, so to say he has been consumed by by the flames uh, of love then uh because this this poem is of course uh, or this collection of poems is also very much connected to the Hajj pilgrimage. So now he talks about um different stations on on, on uh on the way to the Hajj or on the Hajj. man min minan li so just this is the stations that the beloved is is moving in, Interesting, and there is there are many meanings in here that we could get into. For example, jam is one of those stations, but jam in Arabic also means union. So again, he's sort of alluding to this idea that that he has reached a union with his beloved at this point. Uh, then comes this incredible part where he says, "Tatufu bi qalbi baada They circle my heart hour after hour. So now. Um, the heart has become the Kaaba of the pilgrims. Um, the heart, the qalb, is a very important aspect and uh, teaching in Sufism. It's the qalb, which is the seat of the soul. And it's in the, the heart that that uh, the meeting with God happens, basically. It's it's not the, the physical heart that pumps blood. It's the sort of spiritual core of the human being. Um, as we mentioned earlier, in Sufism, they often say that they are supposed to polish the mirror of the heart um, until it becomes completely able to reflect God. And when the person, the mystic, has united with God, reached the sort of utmost uh, aspects of, of uh, the spiritual path, his heart, or he becomes this concept of the perfect man, the, the insanal camel. And, and to some degree, that becomes like a pole on, around which reality turns. Uh, and, in particular, the heart is precisely that sort of center of the universe, just like the 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 Kaaba the outer Kaaba in Mecca is the outer house of God, which you can visit in the physical world. Mm-hmm. The heart is is the the sort of inner Kaaba mm-hmm. or the higher Kaaba there 's a great hadith also a hadith Qudsi, which says and God says that the heavens and the earth cannot contain me, but mm-hmm. the hearts. Of a devoted worshiper can contain me oh yes, that one yeah, incredibly beautiful, yeah, and so what's happening here is that because he has reached this state of, of fana um, now the spirits circle his heart the the, the Kaaba of his uh, of his heart uh, as a sort of reflection of the pilgrim circling the the Kaaba in Mecca Bada mm-hmm. Saatin um there, sorry. <laughs> in rapture and grace, they kiss each corner. So the Kaaba has four corners, four corners. and they're called different things. So the Yemeni corner, for example. Yeah. Um, pretty clear um, imagery here. Ibn Arabi, interestingly, in in, the, in his comments on this poem, says that these four corners represent the, the four elements upon mm-hmm. which the human being is, is made. Um, then he goes, Um, into this other returns basically to this um, language of love they swore they'd never change and vowed who dies herself with henna's unfaithful a veiled gazelle's an amazing sight her henna's hinting eyelids signaling so the gazelle becomes this image of beauty here that is the beloved um, eyelids hinting right this almost like similar to what you mentioned earlier about the veiled beloved in some to some degree the, the veiled uh, bride uh, even in this state there's this experience of of being bewildered that's at least how I interpret this mm-hmm. because in Ibn Abi's writing that's a very recurring theme that even as you are in the highest stations one of the experiences you will have is being completely bewildered mm-hmm. um, and the, the gazelle here s- still is sort of keeping her distance a bit and veiling herself, which I think is related to the idea that um, God, as we experience God, because God reflects himself in creation at all instances, that reflection always changes. So God manifests in a new way at, at every second, which means that you have to let go of one particular manifestation of God. So right now, Perhaps I'm experiencing God, but the next moment all of this is gone, and at every moment I have to go and experience a new uh, vision of God, that movement that we talked about earlier.
0: Oh yes, yeah, so that that in a sense precludes idolatry, the yes. fixing Clar- of the image uh, itself, uh, that uh, that the ultimate representation.
1: That's great. Yeah, precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, my favorite part here is a pasture between breastbone and spine, oh, right to the heart. Wow. <laughs> a pasture between breastbone and spine, marvel a garden among the flames. So, among this these flames of love that have completely extinguished everything, there is a garden in there, which is the reality of the heart, yes. which remains um, well, remains the uh, pasture, basically, yes. um, and the place where where one experiences God. And then comes this incredible section: "لَقَدْ سَارَ قَلْبِي قَابِلًا كُلَّ سُورَةٍ لِرَحْبَانِ My heart can take on any form. It's a pasture for gazelles and a cloister for the monks. It's a house for the idols and the pilgrims' Kaaba. It's the uh, the, the 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 scrolls of the Torah and the pages of the Quran. Um, the heart, in this case is always fluctuating, like we said. So it's, it's, it can, he's continuing the same theme that we just discussed here, right? So the heart is always changing, both the heart itself uh, and then the different things that it, that it um, the forms that it takes on, but also the, 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 the things in which the mystic sees God. Uh, my heart can take on any form. That is, I can see God. Or God is present to me in all of these things, in a pasture for the gazelles, in the cloister for the monks, in the house of the idols, as long as that's understood in the correct way, and and so on, right? God is everywhere. There's nowhere where God is not. Um, So any form in which he manifests himself, I can see him in, and my heart takes on any form. Uh, This is... Often this part of the poem is somewhat misunderstood as some sort of, um, pluralistic or universalist notion,
0: yeah, so, that, yeah.
1: especially as he continues and says, I follow the religion of love wherever yeah. it's, ca- you know, camels take me, that's my yeah. religion and my faith. Mm. Um, many people interpret this as meaning that he he's, you know, he's sort of neglecting the, you know, Islam as the particularly true religion, which he's not doing. Yeah. Um, he simply say he's speaking from this experience of having reached union with God and seeing God in every manifestation, in every form, mm-hmm. um, and that following the religion of love sort of just encapsulates everything that we've talked about today. The religion of love is islam to a certain degree it's following the sunnah of the prophet muhammad Mm. which includes this movement of love towards god this longing and this path towards god understanding Mm. that everything is based on love um but it never neglects the very important aspect of following the sharia and the sunnah of the prophet and being and Mm. praying and uh, even as you have been annihilated you still have to pray you still have to follow all these laws exactly Uh, so he's not He's not some universalist hippie here, even though it's incredibly beautiful. Yes, Um, And also, I follow the religion of love. It means all these things, but that also includes, of course, a sense of love for all things, like for your fellow human being and for fellow Mm. creatures. That is a necessary result of following this Mm. path and understanding love in this way. Mm. Um, But it's not... Like I said it's not a universalist message in that way
0: oh definitely not it it's 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 going back to that idea that uh you know uh, I cannot hate anything because um God loves everything equally uh, so that's the yeah. the first principle of god loving uh, the atom or a mosquito as much as my, as as me uh, yeah so so that's the first uh kind of uh, unconditional love mm-hmm. and then there are of course the other, uh, other kinds of kind of relational love and so on and uh and how we are um, how we live in the world how we relate to go through religion or uh, not but i i agree with you here uh, you could fall into this trap of thinking okay well he's burning and then he abandons in a sense dean as Religion and moves into some another state, but but the truth is he's not. He's actually yeah. the, the, the entire path is constantly a part of this, so all parts of it are uh, are there together in what he defines
1: in the end. Exactly. Yeah. You can't reach this state that he's in. Yeah. So, this station. The super mm-hmm. talk about stations, maqam. This is this yeah. higher station. Is something called the. Uh, it's makam la makam, so the station of no yeah. station, um, or oh, the
0: station of no station. Yes, yeah. yes, the station, and, and of no station.
1: You cannot reach that station without yes. the Sharia and the Sunnah and the, yes. and the Quran and, and all of the, the Deen, as you say, the religion. Yeah. Um, you know, but like, with that said, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. he can see God even in, and he ibn Abi talks about this elsewhere also. Mm-hmm. Even in a, an idol, even mm-hmm. in a statue of I don't know, like Vishnu or something, mm-hmm. God is there too. But he's not limited to that. He's not incarnated yes. in that statue, but just like God is present in in any other manifestation as you look around you, he is he's there too. Um, well, so, yes, so
0: exactly as you said, because uh, this multiplicity—it's just the multiplicity of these images. This is why I, I thought it was interesting that in that um, line, my heart has become capable of every form. It's uh, translated as form in, in Arabic, it's surah. Uh, mm-hmm. And surah uh, can mean uh, an image, mm-hmm. a picture. Uh, it uh, can mean a fortress. You know, so like a surah of the Quran is also a, a unit uh, mm-hmm. which contains something, right? So it contains um, information. Contains um, it's, it's, it is like a fortress, right? Um, uh, and and form here almost like in. Um, Aristotelian terms, right, uh, the form the, or the platonic yeah. forms uh, uh, or, or ideas. So, so it's, it's quite um, multiform, the, the, the word itself is multiform, uh, mm-hmm. so you can see here that, that uh, I, I think that this is a really interesting use of the, uh, of the word, that because it has those connotations which are central. It could be in just a picture that's very flat and uh, and insignificant, uh, a mirror image, uh, but also like like a fortress, something that keeps something, uh, yeah. like a surah does, a unit. There is a long surah, Al-Baqarah, for instance, but there is a very small one, right? They all contain... Tawhid, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. So each surah contains Tauhid and the uh, relationship to God and worship and all those things that are central to uh, to the religion itself. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's a really, uh, I, I like that. And especially in the ways that you described it, it, uh, it makes a lot of sense and it explains this heart being a temple for idols and the pilgrims of the Kaaba and uh, tablets of the Torah and uh, and so on. And what this uh, uh, religion of love actually uh, means here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder if you would agree on, on this because we've, you've spoken so much about the Kalb, uh, mm-hmm. the heart. Uh, it, it just strikes me now that the, the beating heart is always in movement and it's always kind of going out and in, you know, like in and out, you know, that's so th- this movement kind of, uh, you kind of know, when it, when it, when it beats, it, it goes outside itself and then sucks it back into, into mm-hmm. itself. Uh, uh, that's very and, true. Uh, so, so, uh, kind of symbolically, it seems to me like it, it's a, it's a unity. It's like a fortress. Uh, it is like the Kaaba, uh, uh. Uh, it is a real thing, but also uh, metaphoric, symbolic. But mm-hmm. it's it's the fact that it moves in this way, uh, contracting and releasing, is yeah. uh, is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. In a sense, the poem itself is contracting and releasing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. Th- its rhythm uh, is, uh, emulates perhaps some of that contraction and the uh, release.
1: That movement is very important to mm-hmm. to what he's saying here, you know it's mm-hmm. it's the heart is like I said, fluctuating. the heart contains well can contain God as he as he said in the hadith mm-hmm. um it's also I think worthwhile to point out this idea of the microcosm and macrocosm mm-hmm. ideas yes. that yes. that the human being and particularly the heart uh, contains all everything that the outer cosmos contain is also contained in the microcosm of the heart in the microcosm, yes, so the heart is a perfect. I don't want to say perfect, but it's a reflection of all of God's attributes. Mm-hmm. And it's the place where God re- is reflected. Um, and so all of this, these forms that, that the heart takes are these continuing reflections of, of, of God, uh, visions of God. So it's both a sort of outer and inner, at least how I read it. It's mm-hmm. both that the heart itself take on all these forms as it, as it reflects God and as it fluctuates, but also that he is able to see that reflected outwardly. Also that everything around him is also a reflection of God. Uh, mm. And it's also always changing just like the heart is. Mm. So there's a, a, a station, lot going on in these.
0: A station that's no station, a place that's no space. Yeah. <laughs> as, as you said earlier, the heart uh, can uh, contain God, but no space can. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that uh, I think is, uh, it's a beautiful way to um, uh, end, and well, not end <laughs> because the movement goes on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to to wrap up our uh, conversation on this, and uh, I I enjoyed this so much, Philip. I I loved it so much. Uh, if Likewise. I may say, you know. Uh, that uh, that I did. So uh, thank you so much for this, uh, uh, and uh, I hope everyone will um, uh, follow your channel to uh, to learn more about your work. Uh, I think uh, you present uh, all these different all uh, um, well, religions and and and, um, and branches and uh, and um, thoughts in in such a relaxed and uh, and, and beautiful way. I think it's uh, easy to learn.
1: Huge amounts uh, from uh, from that. Thank you so much. That's yeah. very kind of you. I appreciate that. And thank you so much for having me on. It was wonderful. It was a lovely conversation. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. And I have to say, I think your project is is such a great. I think it's such a great project, and I hope I wish you all the success. And it was my pleasure to to be. It's one of your first guests, right? <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, and I, I was really like,
0: I wasn't sure that, you know, people would accept to, to be on the show I, as it only started, you know, and you have so many followers. Uh, uh, but thank you so much for the kind words. I hope that this, would because this comes from, um, a place of love, it, it comes from, uh, you know, me teaching, uh, on the love for, you know, 15 years, uh, mm. so, uh. Uh, so, uh, so this uh, is really, uh, it's really
1: amazing. You yeah. Absolutely, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you.